sometimes people misunderstand what I mean by it, but we, we don't have a safe job. This job will never be safe. The only safety we put in this job is training and backup procedures. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance, it is Weekly Scrap number 114. My very special guest tonight is Chief Mo Davis. He is a veteran of the Houston Fire Department, currently assigned to the Southwest Quadrant at Station 68, the busiest chief or one of the busiest chiefs in the Houston Fire Department. He will speak his mind. He will let you know his opinion. He teaches, keynotes, presents all across the country, talking about command, strategy, tactics. I have the pleasure of hearing him more than a few times now, and I am super excited for this conversation this evening. My brother, Chief Mo Davis, welcome to Scrap number 114. Hey, thank you so much. It's, it's an honor to be here with you. I'm excited. I am super excited. We are getting going. Pulling up, make sure I can see comments. Here we go. Yep, they're already logging in. We're getting it going. Uh-oh. This is good That's stuff. Good. Anything I missed in the intro? Anything you would yeah. like to add? No, sir. That's it. That's me in a nutshell. I uh, I love 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 the fire department. So yeah, that's audience. Want to go to work every day? Yes, <laughs> obviously, because the two jobs. Uh, audience, get your questions okay. ready to throw it, Chief. Um, get them ready, because uh, and that's the thing, Chief. Uh, I, the scrap has the best question askers, so get ready for them. Sometimes they give you a soft toss to warm up, and sometimes it's just hard. And that's good. Hard curves. So we'll see. Um, Last thing is my, my normal new thing uh, is if you, right. if you find value in the scrap, go to firehousevigilance.com and click the support button. If you find value, support the scrap so we can keep going. Other than that, here we go. I'm going to try and read some of these things to you, Chief. Uh, good evening, brother. Going to be a great one from Robert Queen. Guy Hall 3 said, evening, brother. Excited for this one from Robert McClellan. Adam Brett Ashworth said, Chief Mo with a big exclamation point. Let's go. One of the best in the business from George Robertson. The oh, Houston, I like him. He's a good guy. The Houston Fire Department legend. Let's do the damn thing from Tony Nunez. The man, the myth, the legend. Okay, so there's t- Chief Davis. They said the goat. In There you go. Can't wait for this. Okay, there's a lot of hype. The only thing better than his classes is making yeah. fires with him. That's from uh, John W. Naninga. So, uh, all right. Okay, guys, there's a ton. Thank you for all the comments and hype. Get your questions coming. All right, Chief. I'm going to lead it off with my first one, which is, like I said, I'll lead it off with a soft toss to you. You have a word that you like, and it's a popular word right now in the fire service, and that word is aggressive. So talk to me about what that word means to you. Yes, sir. Aggressive is everything we should be. I mean, that that should be our standard operating procedure. Whenever um, aggressive is not a bad word. For a few years, you know, we, when I got in the fire department, aggressive was the only thing we knew. So there for a while, we kind of veered away from it. Now we're coming back. And when the booper goes off, the first thing we should think about is being aggressive for the people we serve. Um, aggressiveness is in training. Aggressiveness is getting to the station on time. No matter what you do, you have to have an aggressive mindset because it, it's not about us. When we go to work, it's always about them. And then if we are anything less than perfect, when they call us, we're failing. And the only way to be perfect on every single run 
is to be aggressive. We have to take those chances, you know, and um, we can't we can't write people off. You know, uh, I, I told someone a while back we were talking and there all these catchphrases that we're coming up with now, totally involved, um, vacant, uh, abandoned. We got to get away from that. We have got to go out the door when the booper goes off. We pull out of the fire station with a mentality that people's trapped. We we make the determination no one's in there once we get there. And that's the aggressiveness. Then when you take the aggressiveness to the training, it's getting out. You know, Get off the couch, get outside, put hose on the ground, put ladders up to windows, aggressively train, nice. and then read. We got to read and talk to each other. And uh, the network that we're doing, and that brings the aggressiveness in. So, yeah, we've got to change away from being set back and handle it as it comes to actually look for stuff. A lot of people call it combat ready. It's always got to be in your mind. And the aggressive has got to be our, our first priority is aggressiveness. Nice. All right. We're getting the first question coming at you. I think someone's been, has heard you speak before. I've got a few people saying preach. That's right. Be aggressive. Preach it, chief. It's coming. But Jesus Ojeda says, how is safety officer Oh, get back there. It scrolled on me. How is safety officer? How is safety officer is applied to command? How is the safety officer applied to command? So I think sometimes we use the safety officer in in the wrong aspect on a fire ground. You know, safety officers are not there to uh, get in the way of an operation. A safety officer is not there to turn the power electricity off. The safety officer is there to make sure every operation we're putting into effect has a backup feature to it. For example, if we put a line in the front door, we've got to put a backup line in there. So that safety officer, instead of getting caught up on doing some other assignments and duties, he actually helps the incident commander by watching and making sure our built-in practices. And then he can also start helping watch the smoke, the roof, and that all comes back to the uh, command structure. So a safety officer is important, but a safety officer can't get in the way of the actions we're doing. And, it, and, and I say this all the time is sometimes people misunderstand what I mean by it, but we, we don't have a safe job. This job will never be safe. The only safety we put in this job is training and backup procedures. And so that safety officer, he can get involved with a commander to actually make a very dangerous job a little bit safer. So that's how he can kind of help with the incident command structure. Love it. Hey chief, this is gonna be awesome from Kevin Cripps. They're still they're still singing Uh-oh. your praise. This is great. Thanks, Mo. Hey, yeah, they're, they're still sending it. I, I gotta I gotta mention that guy. Go. Hey, Kevin's a buddy of mine from Tennessee. And you talking about a guy that is the future of the fire service. I mean, his kid's a farmer, he's a family man, and he's a fireman to the core. Nice. And uh, me and him talk a lot. So I'm we're kind of on the down here of our slide of our career. He has just put his foot in the door and I expect big things from that guy. Uh, that's, that's going to be, the, that's going to be the key to success for that department in middle Tennessee. Nice. That's it. Uh, Todd Edwards. Here we go. We got a question coming at you from uh, Todd and he said, please ask him about proactive writ or passive writ groups. Hey, that's a good question. And again, a good friend of mine right there. And he's no as doubt, good as yes. they come. So uh, proactive writ. So we've got to sign these writ teams. Writ teams cannot be standing in the front yard watching what's going on. 
Rick teams has got to be softening the building. Rick teams has got to get in a recon. We've got to get Rick teams up close to where the danger is. So I use an interior Rick team all the time, and I use that on a backup line. So we need to be proactive. And God forbid a roof falls on a guy or something happens. If that that proactive Rick team has reconned the area, he knows what's going on, he knows where the lines are, they can get those guys out quicker. So what happens oftentimes in the fire service, and we've got to get away from this, is we put the worst crew coming as our writ team. And so those guys usually tend to be passive. And those guys, they don't have their gear. They don't have their equipment. They're not taking burglar bars off. They're just standing in the front yard waiting to go back to service. We have to be proactive. We have to be that crew that opens up a building. We have to be the recon, and we got to watch the roof. And, you know, much like New York City's rescue companies do, those guys don't stand on the front yard. Those guys go into where it's the most dangerous, and we've got to start doing that, <clears throat> developing a plan in case something happens. Yes. And I, I think, in my opinion, those are the two between being passive and being a, being an aggressive, proactive routine. And it's okay. It's okay to be proactive on the fire ground. Somewhere down the line, somebody told us, we can't do anything without being told. That's totally wrong. If we train and we develop a procedure and we develop a tactic on the training grounds, we can be proactive without being yes. told what to do. And it's net commander should not tell you every step of the job. And proactive writs is the key to that. Go in and recon, open it up, have a plan of action in case something happens and it starts making things a lot safer. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I got questions coming at you, brother, so I hope you're ready for this. Uh-oh. He says, I, I like you, man. Got- We're just getting started, man. John Ryan Buchan said, what's your thought on booster tank backup over the hydrant? So I'm very lucky where I work. Uh, companies are coming. They're very quick on getting there, and we can get uh, lines laid quick. So my part-time job is just the opposite. So the opposite, we use booster tank backups a lot because the key, three things should happen at every fire. We should do a good primary search. We should put water on the fire and we should ventilate. So the key to putting water on the fire is actually being comfortable knowing we've got some water coming. So we use that booster backup line a lot at my side job and it's quicker than catching a plug. And, you know, and, and usually, and I think knowing our districts and knowing our territory, we know what we can do with with a tank of water we should and if we pull up on a certain fire we should be able to realize hey we're gonna be able to get this with a tank or a booster tank so i do agree with that that tactic and that's a very good tactic um but the key is get water on it and we should never delay putting water on a fire by waiting on a supply we should that should be second thing coming the first thing is and our standard procedure should be getting water on the fire. Then we're going to worry about the supply coming, whether that's a booster tank backup, which I, I believe in, or if we catch a plug and bring water. Yes, that's uh, that's my that's my thought on it. Hundred percent, man. There you go. Articulated well. Not to mention the three objectives just articulated. Just just a yeah. passing knowledge. Here you go. Uh, I'll just throw these out here yeah. without even. Yeah, love it. I'm having to, there's already so many hearts and likes that I'm having to use angry faces to find my place. Noah Quattro says, how do you implement the combat ready mindset in a small town department who runs a fair share of fires, but has complacent people? It's a tough one. See, I told you they were leadership. Okay, go. 
Yeah. Hey, leadership. It's it's it all goes back to leadership. If you if you fix yourself, they will fix themselves. You never lower your standards. You make them come up to your standards. So if I come into work every morning, I'm checking my air pack, I'm checking my tools, I'm getting out on the apparatus floor and I'm getting something. If that person don't get it, you explain to him what you're doing and you be a leader. You don't have to take a test. You don't have to have a position. Anybody can be a leader and strong, solid leadership changes minds of firemen. So let me throw this out there to you and see what you think. You People may disagree, but there's three types of firemen, in my opinion. Okay. There's your go-getters. There's your go-getters, combat ready. They go to work knowing they're going to make a fire. They want to make a fire. They're those guys that are scared to death. There's the cowards that's wearing the T-shirts, and they're in a fetal position. Every time the booper goes off, they don't want to make something. And then there's those complacent guys, those complacent guys that said, well, we didn't do anything yesterday. We're probably not going to do anything today. So if you take those three types of firefighters, the one that scares me more than anything is the complacent ones. The complacent ones, they'll still try to do the job because you're not going to get anything out of your cowards. They're just always going to be cowards. Right. And your aggressive guys, they're always going to be aggressive. But the complacent guys scare me because they will still do the job, but they may not have that combat readiness. They may not have trained as much. They may not have that mindset when the booper goes off that, hey, somebody's in here. So I think the key to changing departments, no matter how big or how small, is just leadership and leadership at the firefighter level. You don't have to be an officer to be a leader. Man, you just got to be that guy that says, hey, I'm not lowering my standards. You're going to bring your standards up to me. And I think that helps. And so what happens is I think guys start seeing that and they're like, all right, I'll chip in. And the next thing you know, it starts building and then it builds a culture for your entire department. But I think that's the key to that success. Love it. Love it, man. There you go. Ask a question, get the answer. Um, switching them up. All right. I don't know. I don't know the, the, this is always the danger of a live show when I ask questions. Cause someone said, ask chief Mo about white rock. And I don't know if that's a good question or a bad question. You have to qualify. It. I don't know. That's a good question. Okay. So, uh, it's, it's a running joke on the Southeast side of town. 46 is one morning. We made uh, a, a fire flashed over on us is what happened. And I was a captain on the engine back then. And uh, we had paintings on the wall. We got pictures on the wall. The anniversary, we call each other. And we say, hey, man, remember White Rock happened at this time in the morning? And it's probably one of the best fires we ever made. Nice. And uh, we we go through the front door. Jason Martinez and Placido Rodriguez are both very good captains now. They were firefighters. I was a captain. I broke off to do a surge. And uh, we had pressurized smoke at about ankle deep. We had fire blowing out of the back. And uh, I'll, I'll actually send you a video or a picture and let you see. And so uh, they're in there putting it out. And I actually go over and I, t- I think it was Jason. I said, hey, man, I think you're getting it. And so anything you've ever heard about a flashover is not true in this one. It didn't get miserably hot. All it went from zero to 100 in flames from ankle to the roof. Wow. So then engine 30, engine 35 was coming through the front door. And we were talking about the backup line earlier. And engine 35 come, they turned the backup line on instantly. And when it did, it knocked all the fire off of us. And we just kept fighting fire. So, wow. yeah, White Rock. White Rock is one of those that you'll never forget. It's a it's a career fire. No doubt about it, man. That's the stories. Uh, yeah. Dude, I love it. Uh, guys, the, there's so many comments, so many questions. I can't even get to them all. That's a great thing happening. Um, 
but I am going to miss some of these questions as they, as they fly by. So Jim Platt wants to ask, Chief, please describe softening the building. I hear this used a lot in red application. I want to create a training yeah. point for this, but I want to uh, send it out correctly. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, so that's actually a good question, and I should have talked about that. When we soften a building, we are opening doors. Now, we're not leaving them open, like – because we want to control the ventilation. Right. So if we got a hose, if we got a hose line going through the front door, we don't want to open every door on that house. But we want to at least force entry, quick search it, close it back. If there's burglar bars, we want to remove the burglar bars. If there's debris and stuff uh, in doors ways or in windows ways, we want to clear those way in case emergency happens that we can get someone out. So basically all softening the building is is giving interior firefighters a way out. And another good one that we forget about that we've got to get back to that we did when I was young in the fire department is we got a window every building. I mean, every window of a second floor in a building. If a firefighter gets on the second floor and he gets in a bind, he goes to a window, he should know that there's a ladder there for him to get out. Things like that soften the building. It's, it's just allowing us to get out. We're good at getting in, but right. we're also, you know, should be good at getting out. Love it. No, that's. I a, hope that answers. No, that's a great, yeah, simple, it, it, it's a great, yeah, it, it, yeah, nuts and bolts answer. Go. Sorry, I keep walking on you. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, and I was going to say, if there's any questions, you know, um, messenger me. I, I, I love talking fire. I mean, I'll stay up all night if you want to talk about fire tactics. Um, but if there's a question that I don't answer, I don't answer it well, or you have a different, man, feel free to send me a message. I, I love talking to firemen. Love it. Okay. Yeah. I just saw that I'm framed. Oh, I moved. I moved us. Sorry, guys. Hang on. I'm fixing my framing. All right. Fixed it. That's strictly behind the scenes stuff. Sorry. Okay. Um, where was I at? Uh, Chief, I'm bringing my own question to you. This is from Cordley, the host. Uh, you said it at the lake that if you came down, we could ride a shift with you in the Chief's buggy. Is that a standing offer? Yes, sir. All right. It is. What I'll do is I'll, I'll shoot the paperwork up the chain of command. And um, they're pretty good. Um, I like showing the good side of the fire department. You know, you always hear the negative side of the fire service. Um, we try to show the positive. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll send it up to the PR division, and I will get them signed off on it, and you're welcome to come by, and um, we'll just make you one of the guys. I'm coming. I'm telling you right now. I'm playing. Our girls. You know, one of the guys are girls. I mean, <laughs> we'll have fun, I promise. 100%. Yeah. I'm coming. I promise you. I'm coming down to right out yeah. 68s. Okay. You, you know why I do that? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. Here's no. what we got to do. We cannot close our doors and expect the community to know what we do. Oh, I love it. We we are good. The fire service as a whole is good. We never brag on ourselves. We never want anybody to know what we do. We close the doors and we train behind closed doors. We say, you can't come ride with us. No, it's just the opposite. We've got to start showing people the good side of us. Because firemen are good by nature, and we've got to hey go to a go to a, a community center and drill. A friend of mine, Tim Dunn, would take his crew out to the parks, and they would train in the parks, just where people can see us and know that we we do the citizens a good job. So sure, you have an open door invitation. I will do the paperwork for you, and I will carry it up there personally to get people to see the good side of the Houston Fire Department. I'm doing it selfishly just to come have a blast. So. Hey, we'll have a blast. We'll eat good, too. Okay. I love it, man. Hey, you're hitting all the marks. Um, okay. 
Guys, so many of them scrolled by, so this is where I'm at. John Shurstead, and I actually remember Shurstead, but I appreciate the pronunciation. But when I was a young firefighter, I got pissed because my captain always wanted to be first out the door. Oh, no, it just went away. Sorry, I'm not. I'm too slow. It only keeps like 100 comments at a time, guys. So once they're gone, they're gone for me. I'll see them later, but not right now. Okay, moving on. Looking for the next one. Please repost it. I got halfway through. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mo. No, that's fine. No, no, no. That's fine, bro. We'll, we'll come back to it. It's a slow pro. Also, creating access is neat. I'm working on this now. What are your thoughts on thermal balance firefighting versus cooling as you go from Garrett Taves? So, Garrett, here's my thought. I don't believe in resetting fires. I believe we've really got to look, and I know this is controversial, but let's some, let, just hear me out. So we've got to get to the seat of the fire. That's where you put the fire out. Those hot gases coming over our heads, those hot gases going out windows, uh, things that's making it hot, we just need to get lower. When we get lower, because we don't want to create a whole lot of steam in those rooms. So if I start blowing down a hallway, just because it's hot, we got to ventilate and we got to put water on the fire. That's that's what's going to happen to cool it off. But just opening up a line because I'm hot, I disagree in that. Because if we're hot in the best gear in the world, what are we doing to those people on the ground? Because we got to remember, without getting really too deep into it, if we think of the theory behind smoke, so that's just pressurized gases just churning. So it goes up and it moves out to, and it wants to travel the path of least resistance. So what happens when we start putting a line up in that smoke, starts churning and it disrupts that thermal balance. And we've all know, you see these white marks on the side of our faces. That's what it is. It's that, it's that steam coming in. So if we can get lower and we can ease up to where the room's actually burning, we're going to do the citizens a better deal. And we also got to think that people live on the ground. I think it's 70% of the people we find. Well, what happens when we start spraying smoke? We start bringing that heat balance down uh, onto them on the ground. And that's why I'm not a big one to put a line in a window because it disrupts it so much. And I know it's controversial and I know people think different, but in my humble opinion, if we go through the front door or the back door, we go to where it's burning, we do a quick search of that area. We put the fire out. It, it serves us better than disrupting everything. This is your scrap. So you have I, the floor. Yeah, I was thinking, I was talking to uh, Lieutenant Ray McCormick, which is a, a big idol of mine. Man, I just, I can't say enough about that guy. I pick his brain. I know he hates to get around me because I ask him 50 million questions. But the last UL study actually even found that we're, we're saving more people by taking the line directly to the fire than the reset that they came out with. You know, there's sometimes you're gonna have to reset. We know that, but it's a tool in the toolbox. But our number one tool is get to the sea, the fire, put the fire out and, and search for people on your way. And it's, it's a, you know, if it's going to flash over on you, yeah, I man, open that lineup because they're probably that, you know, but, but hopefully with good ventilation that it's not going to flash, it's going to lift and get up off of us. Tank Fired Up Morris says, when he says he will stay and talk to you, he means it. Chief Mo is the real deal. So I absolutely. appreciate that. Uh, yeah, he's a. We met in Florida, and yeah, I. Uh, hey, what you see with me is what you get. I, hey, I'm nothing more than a fireman, and um, 
when I'm with my family, I'm 100% with my family. When I'm with the fire department, I'm 100%. And if you want to stay up all night and talk about fire, we'll stay up all night and talk about fire. My buddy Rob Fisher, a chief out on the West Coast, he gave me a class one morning at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I cherished that class because he was there talking to me at 2. So, yeah, if you, I'll stay as long as you want to stay. All right. I'm trying to read here. I'm, I'm reading. This is the only part where I don't have a producer telling me the good questions. Uh, yeah. Softening the building doesn't just allow for easy exit, but helps RIT make entry when and where they are needed. 100%. That's from Westbrook Tear. Tear. That is true. Uh, some of my best days were working for Mo Davis. That's from Jared Bird. I'll be there in April, boss. That's coming from Todd Edwards. Okay. Uh, I'm reading. I'm reading. Please quote this Corley. I don't know what you're referencing. I'm not sure which quote. Question. What is your take on the use of command sheets slash boards? I like that question. Yeah, I don't use them. So here's here's what I think. If if you're in a multiple alarm, you're in a high rise, you've got three or four alarm going on. Yeah, because what happens is you back off and you're the incident commander and you're checking off stuff. But if if I'm running a typical one alarm fire and I'm if I'll use this sheet of paper, for example. If if I'm sitting looking like this, doing checkoffs, I stop watching what I'm supposed to watch. Yeah, okay. I'm supposed I'm supposed to watch the guys working. So here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for three things. I'm looking for the color of the smoke. I'm looking for line movement, and I'm looking for the roof. I want to make sure the roof doesn't sag. I want to make sure the smoke starts turning color, and I want to see that line moving. So if I'm doing checkoffs. I'm not looking at that. So I can take a piece of paper and I can put engine one attack, engine two, second floor. And I know where everybody's at. And I'm not looking at, at the command sheets. Now, whenever you get up to the bigger incidents, multiple alarms, hazmat incidents, high rise. Yeah, I, you step back because you've got enough eyes to help you watch. But initially, I'm just not a big checkoff guy. And that goes back to your natural your natural leader, those natural leaders, they have things to call from. And that's what hopefully by the time that a person is a line officer, he's made enough fires. He's studied hard enough. He's talked to people enough that he's got some of this natural ability. Whereas a, a classical leader, those classical leaders, they have to compare possibilities. They have to have stuff to prompt them. And we've got to get away from that. We've got to get away from not not so worried about a checkoff or an assignment but you give an assignment knowing it's going to benefit the fire. So yeah, I'm not a big, not a big command sheet guy. And when you come right, you'll see. All right. All right. It's happening. Yeah. Pull the notes. All right. Getting back. Okay. Chief back to softening the structure. Ah, I'm too slow. Okay. I'm just going to scroll guys. If you had a good question, repost it. That's the only way I'm going to get to it. Someone said, screenshot it. Like I have time to screenshot it and then go read the screenshot. Okay. Uh, Todd Edwards said it best. Checkbox command is bullshit. There you go. Just straight up. He just put it out there. Chief Mo is spot on. Um, Ask Chief Mo about the importance of continued training. I met him in a class at the national fire Academy. He is still a student of the job. So yes, speak on it. And I am, I um, probably to a fault. So I give the fire service a little bit of my time every single day of my life. Uh, I read, I go to classes, I go to classes on my own. I do go to the National Fire Academy. I love the National Fire Academy. Uh, I go to small classes, I go to big classes. Yeah. I don't know. 
I don't know if it just crashed or I'm looking. Okay. I'm tracking. I don't know if I just smashed the whole thing or if we're still live. I'm checking. Oh. No, no. I think I think I just I think I just minimized it, so it's all on user error. Yeah, we're still rolling. Okay. okay. It was all me. No, no, no. That's fine. All right. I'm sorry. And um, I am I'm I, yeah I'm a student of the, I'm a student of the trade because it's 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 always changing, and we can always learn something. And um, when the guys go train at the station. I go out with them because it's important for me to know what they're doing. And I'll tell you this too. I think the young guys in the fire service, the Ramaguses, those guys know so much more about the fire department than I do. Captain Mario, a captain at my station, he knows the ins and outs of pump operations. How many, I didn't know that. I'll be honest. When I was a captain, all I knew was what worked. We didn't know the numbers. We didn't know. We just, Honestly, people lie, but it's true. We mule kicked the first door we could get in, and we started squirting water and looking for people. Nowadays, we have to take classes. We we have to learn tactics from people, and everybody's got a better way to do it, and that just makes us better. So, yeah, I'm I'm still – and I, I tell people all the time, I burn down a building in my head every day. You know, I, I'm a true student of this fire service. Love it. Man, I love it. Um Nobody likes a checklist. If you can't remember your first or second alarms and their assignments, find another position. That's not command. That comes from Silas Springer. Um, Jeff Clark wants to know priority, priorities. This here we go. This is a big question. Priorities and tactics for podium buildings and center hall apartments. So those are tough. So we've got to find out a the the wind. We're concerned about the wind because what happens is. If we open a door and we've got an open window, it's going to come down the hall. So priorities is making sure that we, we have an exhaust port for the fire coming in and we got to make sure there's no one in the hallway. So if I make a center hallway apartment and say it's the fourth apartment down on the left and I pull up on scene and I see fire coming out of a window, my first priority before I start putting water on that fire is I'm checking that hallway to make sure I'm not going to torch someone. Because that fire's got to go somewhere. When we open up that, when we open up that door, the the heat's going somewhere. So I want to make sure that there's no one in the hallway. My second priority is getting a lot of water on that fire quickly, and we've got to make sure that we can overcome that wind. And another another point to remember about that on those apartments, um, you should think about the wind always. But on those apartments, wind is a big, big, big consideration you know we, we lost captain yonke in a fire similar to that so what happened was we had a weird wind come through the fire busted through the window it blew back in when it blew back in it blew down the hallway and actually i was talking to lieutenant mccormick about this and they call it reflective heat so what happens is that heat travels down the hallway and when it meets resistance it tar- starts banking down and oftentimes firefighters get confused and they think that they're going toward the fire because it gets so hot, which in reality, you're actually going the right way that you should. So yes, that's, that's the first tactic is make sure there's nobody in there and make sure that we got plenty of water to push it off of us. Cause it's going to come towards you. Right on. I hope that answered it. I think, dude, it's just, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> all right, here we go. Someone reposted. Would love to hear chief Mo talk about setting and maintaining standards within your department or district. I, uh, heard him talking about making a fire with a neighboring chief, and the guys were concerned that they were slacking, even though it was their third fire. How do you build those relationships? I tell you, uh, I have to tell you the story. 
Go. So uh, it was it was our guys from our district, and it was a well known chief in the Houston Fire Department, Chief Phillips, which is is one of my big mentors. Okay. And you know somebody that, that I care for more than life itself. So we had made three fires back to back. Our crew was upstairs and working on the third floor, and they saw Chief Phillips there, and they were so concerned that he was going to think they were loafing. That senior Captain Schroeder came down to me and said, Chief, you mind going to tell Chief Phillips this is our third fire? We wasn't letting him down. And so when I went to tell Chief Phillips that, he goes, hey, man, those still touch hogs. He goes, they weren't slowing down. But the guys thought that they wasn't giving him 110%, and they would worry about how it would reflect on us. So here's what we do to build those standards. The fire department standards are like right here. You know, pretty much anybody get in the fire service, anybody get through the academy. But when you go to a district, you've got to have standards up here. Right. And on. those standards are set specifically for your district. You have to have buy-in from yourself, your officers, all the way to the youngest person. You train to those standards. You live. Tomorrow morning when I go to work, I'll be the first one at the fire station. That's a standard that I set that I get there before anyone else. So then if they see me live by those standards, they live by those standards then training, we train to those standards and then it carries over to the fire ground. So yes, um, that is a true story. And um, that's how you do it. You, you don't worry about what the the city standards are. You train to your districts. If you're in a high rise district, you train to high rise standards. Like in the district where I work, we have a lot of different structures. We train to those. We don't just put a hose on the ground, squirt water and say it's training. We legitimately train to a standard that we set. And then you have buy-in from the entire district. And so what happens is, what happens is when you get on the fire ground, there's not much communication. We've trained on it so much that, say, basically, uh, Captain Schroeder to come in and ventilate. Well, he's going to decide what kind of ventilate. Captain Mario, come in and do a primary search. Love it. Or I, I come in. You don't have to tell them what to do. They know because we stand. You know, Captain Novicki, I need you to do this. Or Captain Kretschy, do this. And what happens is it falls in. And there's not a lot of talking on the fire ground, and it's just like clockwork. A guy moves here, one moves up here, the backup line goes in place. And that's that's what we say when we got to train to standards that we set. Love it. Dude, uh, Zach Howell coming at you. He said, Chief, and this is how you do it, guys. Send the question again because I will get to it. Back to softening the structure. Do you think this is something the driver can do after helping stretch lines, sure. forcing doors, etc., rather than standing at the pump before other units arrive on scene? Or do you think that's something another arriving crew should take care of? Sorry. Go ahead. 100%. Hey, we can't stand around the fire ground. There's enough work for everybody. Uh, EMS crews, whenever they get on scene, Man, put your gear on and go to work. We got radios. If we need you, we can get a hold of you. Uh, second in pumper or chauffeurs, yes, you go to work. We can, we can get a hold of you. We need you. You get it put in pump gear. You get that line in place. You get a good water supply. You have to start watching what's going on. You can force doors. You can pull burglar bars. You can work to help those crews inside, most definitely. Love it. It's a team, it's a team effort. And I'll tell you something else. Chiefs can do that. Nice. Chiefs are not above working. Yes. I don't understand chiefs that don't want to work. Put your dang gear on and go to work. It's pretty simple. Tony Nunez coming at you said, not that anyone did anything wrong, just a general question. Did the HFD make any changes to S&T after the apartment fire that was under construction a few years ago? So your strategy and tactics changed after that apartment fire that was under construction. 
No, actually, I made that fire. Uh, there was a lot of good stuff that went on with that fire. Uh, Captain Hop- Hawthorne, those guys made a big historic rescue and stuff. No, we didn't change that. Um, you know, you have to take back whenever you see an apartment under construction like that, you've got to throw in some different tactics because we know the fire's not going to slow down. So the reason that Captain Hawthorne and them went into that emergency rescue mode, they were told that that guy was up there. And so having a good chauffeur, uh, Dwayne Weibel was his name. He told Captain Hawthorne, he said, I'm going to back you in right here. and I'm going to get you on it. So Captain Hawthorne went up. And I don't know if you saw him throw his gloves at his guys. So Captain Hawthorne said he saw the, the wall kick out. So he thought the wall was going to fall on the truck. They were so close. He didn't want his guys getting hurt. He said he felt like he could ride the ladder to the ground. But they still had to get the guy off the fourth floor. So, no. So our tactics hadn't changed. Our tactics have always been the same on buildings under construction because you know it's going to spread fast. And the only reason that we were put in that position is because there were still people in there. And uh, we had to get the people out. Actually, I was assigned to do a primary search of the parking garage. Gotcha. And um, so, so yeah, you have to put people in there. You just have to take extra safety precautions. But that's that's why they put themselves so close to dangers because they knew that guy was there on the balcony. All right, I got a war. But those changes have been made. No, no, I, yeah, with, I got a war story <laughs> request, which is something about you kicking through a wall to get to a seat of a fire before another crew or something. Can you? Can you? This is from David Eckerman asking the question. <laughs> David Ecker, hey, David Ecker was a good guy. So that is true. So engine 35 and over in district 46, we were, we we're all buddies. We didn't want to be second in on a fire, but, but if you were second in on a fire, you protected that first in crew. So 35s was first in, 55s. And so we were going to play with them a little bit because we knew it wasn't a bad fire. So I told the uh, engine 46, I said, hey, let's go down this, this little room right here. Let's kick through the sheetrock and we'll put it out for them. So we kicked through the sheetrock, knocked it out. We squirted a little water and had a big laugh uh, in the hallway. So, yeah, that, that was a true story. Nice, nice. You've got, so you've got to have fun in the fire service. Absolutely, man. You can, you can have fun and still do people a good job. Dude, I love it. Preach. And that, that was one of them. That was one of them that – uh, David Ackerman, yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, he's a Southwest Side chauffeur now, a solid, solid guy. But uh, yes, yeah, true story. That happened. Keith Cameron wants to know, Chief, do you have a magic number for minimum years a firefighter should ride backwards before thinking about promoting? By the way, awesome vent class last month in Angleton. Oh, good deal. I'm glad they guessed it. No, no, I, I don't believe I don't believe years of service makes you better or worse. Um, I think it's your dedication to the service. You know, like we were talking at the beginning, be a leader. You don't have to take a test to be a leader. You know, if if your dedication and your experience level is there, because I would take a young guy at a busy station that made a bunch of fires that's really into the job over a guy who spent 20 years hiding from work and all of a sudden becomes a captain and wants to be aggressive. So, no, I don't, I don't think there's been a number of years. I, I think it all goes back to – just putting in the time learning the job. I'm all about the time into the job, not just on the job. Yes, sir. A hundred percent. I love it. Uh, John Sherstead said, see, without the pronunciation, when I was a young firefighter, I got pissed because my captain always wanted to be first out the door. Now that I'm a captain, I fly out the door so I can get a size up, give my crews a good plan of action. I am curious. 
if this aggressiveness starts to go away as you move past the company officer level? He says, in parentheses, no. I hope not because I'm having fun. No, I uh, I want to be the first one there. Uh, I'm a full blown fire squirrel. I'm gonna <laughs> find my way. I'm gonna find my way inside that front door to see what's going on. But no, you, if you're truly dedicated to the job, you don't lose it. And I want to be the first one there because I can get good eyes and eyes on it. And perfect example, um, I sent. Uh, I asked Captain Schroeder to cut a hole about two or three weeks ago. It is a nifty one. And I was like, man, do we cut it or we don't? So I've been watching it for a while. So I ran up to him and walked across the front front yard with him. And I just kind of put my hand on his shoulder to Captain Schroeder, be careful, this is a bad one. So, no, if you're first one there, so Captain Schroeder didn't have time to look at that roof like I did. So, no, you want to be the first one out of that door. If you come off that fire truck last and you got to uh, – Dilly dally around, getting your air pack, and you forget a glove and you forget a helmet. You're doing nothing good for your crew. Right on. You come off there, you ready to go to work, and that's that's what it does. And then those young guys come behind you and make you look good every single. Time. <laughs> Love it. Uh, working chief, a novel idea. White shirts can get dirty too. Says Adam Ashworth. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. Um, Brian Irwin, you may have to reword that because he asked the question, have you seen leaders build by studies or do most of them just have it? I'm not sure what the question is. So restate that when we'll come back at it. Um, There we go. Yep. Okay. So we're caught up on on audience questions. Get new ones going. I'm I'm throwing the next one at you. Um, Okay. I want to talk about training and I want to ask you, what do you think the fire service gets right and what do we get completely wrong? We get training wrong. We get hiring wrong. What we get, what we get right is is company level things. So I think we need to get back to the basics on training at the training academy. And when I say basics, they need to be proficient air pack, pulling hose, cutting holes, using ladders. And whenever they come to the fire station is where we really get it. So I think we really fail young people uh, in our hiring process. I think we should actually. This is going to sound bad, but okay. I don't want it to sound bad, and I never want it to turn anybody away. We have to let a young person know this is a very dangerous job. You are probably going to bury a friend. You are probably going to make fatality fires. We have to let them know that before they get to the station. Guys can't make their first fire and then be scared. We have to we have to train them and build a solid foundation, and then that way when we put our safety features in – they understand what we're doing. So what I think we get wrong is a lot of the, hire, the hiring process, I think, is we could do better. I think we could do a lot better at at, at beginning of the training. Um, I think we need to get away from computer-based training. Nice. You, you, don't, you don't learn anything like that. You learn by putting your hands on bad situations. What I think we get good at is when we find a burned-out building, we go there and train on it. We find an abandoned building, we go train on it. Uh, we call the training academy, and we say, hey, we want to come out there and try that. That's what we do good on. But we oftentimes we fail by lowering the training and computer-based training and things like that. But but I think good company officers, they fix that by, by putting hands on things. I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah. Tony, Tony, 100% agree with you. I, I really like the way that worked out. Um, okay. Chief Scott Thompson throwing one at you. Chief to chief. Here we go. Chief, 
What do you have to say about companies who say that they are too busy to train? I don't believe it. I've never been at a slow station. I was at District 46. You know, we was making probably 25, 28 runs a day on the engine, and we trained every single day. Uh, I'm at a station now. Uh, the, every station in my district now is is making, you know, the, the engines are making 15 to 20 runs a day, and every single station has time to train. Nice. You make training a pro- priority. If, if So here's something I believe. You never harass a hook, rookie. You never make a rookie clean and wash dishes all day long. Man, we don't need good dish cleaners. We need good firemen. Preach. So if you got time to harass a rookie, and if you got time to tell that rookie to clean that station and clean that, you got time to train them. So busy stations can train. And I tell you what, and I've got a picture. If no one believes me, I'll send it. Last night, I think we have a new rookie, and he's on his first ladder phase. It's dark, and they got lights set out. VES and on the vent prop nice. that that our officers built. You can train at busy stations, and um, when officers say that, I just write those guys off because those guys don't want to train. They just want to say they're too busy. They're the same guys that say they're too busy to do their records. Nice, you got time to do it. <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect. There you go. There's your answer. Not everybody likes it, but. I'm pretty sure everybody yeah. agrees. Everybody in this audience agrees, I think. If anybody disagrees, let me know. So I'll, I'll sick either Scott Thompson or Mo Davis on you. Um, Brian Irwin says, yeah. have you hey, seen? And, and he's a good guy, speaking of which. Oh, no, no doubt about it. One of the best, man. Thompson's a good guy. Yeah, I like that guy. Yeah, he is. Have you seen leaders? This is Brian Irwin. He reworded the question. Have you seen leaders built by studying, or are they just born leaders? The books, the reading, and all the classes. Can that make someone a good leader, or does a leader just have it in them? What's your opinion? Born or made? You, either way, I think uh, I don't think you can be a book leader. I think you've got to put put what you read in books to use. But I don't think you're actually. I do think there's a lot of natural born leaders. Uh, but I do think that you can actually put your your life's experiences with the book experiences mm-hmm. to be that. I don't think that you can hide out at a slow station your whole career and read a whole bunch of books and become a great leader. But I think that if, or let's let's just say you're in an apartment that doesn't make a lot of fires, if you study and you get those books down and you train and you put those books training to use when you make a fire, you'll become a good leader. But I don't I don't think that you can just read books and become a good leader. Takes action to go with. But it. I think exactly, and you have to have a desire. Being a leader is a desire, and I said it earlier. I want to say it again. Taking a test is not a leader. A desire is a leader. Desire is that senior pipeman that gets on his hands and knees and teaches a young guy how to fold hose. A leader is that senior guy who walks that guy out back and says, hey, man, you're screwing up. Straight it up because you're making us all look bad. That's your leaders. Nice. And um, that's that's living. Yeah. Marking it up. <clears throat> Tell them about the time me and you, Hooper, use emergency PTO to watch the burn documentary. I'm not. Howard Reinwald said, he said hooky. I don't know if that's a inside joke, so you have to fill me in. But speaking of, tell them about the time me and you and Hooper used emergency PTO to watch the burn documentary. Allegedly. Um, yeah, we went, we went to, I think I'm, I'm getting the story straight, but me, him, and Hooper uh, took off work. We went to a neighboring town. 
because we wanted to meet the guys from Detroit and see the video. Nice. And I don't, you remember the burn documentary oh, about yeah. Detroit? So we all went to watch that. So we actually took time off work to go watch that just to see and meet those guys. So, hey, and that's the brotherhood. So let's talk about brotherhood for a second. It doesn't matter how big, how small, what department, what your uniform patch looks like. It's a brotherhood. Yes. And when you see somebody coming from Detroit to Texas, you get a group of like-minded people and you go support them because they travel for a reason. And so, um, yeah, we were, we, we burned personal time to go, go see those guys. And you know what? I would do it again tomorrow. Love it. Love it. Uh, Greg Hopper yeah. says, what are your thoughts on the location of the backup line? Is it manned working or just standing by? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's manned. So, so backup line never gets in the way of the attack line. So if I can use my hands for a second. Yeah. So if, if I've got a attack line that's putting out, say, a kitchen fire, I got the backup line back here in the living room. And if anything happens to him, if the fire lights up on him, a collapse, they can turn the line on protecting. So then what happens is if we send a truck crew in to search, so we got an attack line and we got a search crew, well, this backup line just backs off and he, he protects both. Nice. So it's manned. And the only time it flows is in case of an emergency, but he's protected. So if you look at the line of duty desk and you study line of duty desk, a lot of them, people run out of air. People, people are missing. People get lost. Well, we prevent all that. So if you've got an attack crew, they're concentrating on what they're doing, or you got a, a truck crew or somebody over here searching, they're worried about that. Well, you've got a crew that can basically do nothing more than protect those two people. If somebody gets lost, we know where they're at. We go get them. So, yeah, it is manned, it is active, but it's not flowing water. If it starts flowing water, then we get another backup line to protect those two lines. I hope I that love it. No, I love it, man. I think it's perfect. Uh, yeah. There's so much yeah, tactical just a, knowledge just already. A <laughs> uh, I hope. I love it. Oh, boy, get ready for a fun answer. There we go. There we go. I'm just looking. I'm looking. I'm, I'm going through. I don't want to miss any good questions, but it, I'm, I'm kind of catching up. Yeah, Ben Hutching said it good. Backup line is an overwatch, so to speak. 100%. I think that that is a good yes. encapsulation. Yeah. Yeah. Overwatch, uh, interior writ. Yeah, it, exactly. He said it well. Love it. Okay. Pulling back up my notes. Caught up on audience questions, I think, but I, I probably missed a dozen of them. Um, Challenges of realism and relevance. Obviously, live fire can be extremely difficult to get You know, realistic training. What's your advice for overcoming this in any way, shape, or form? Yes. We've we've got to make all training real. Uh, there's nothing to say that we can't go out and put hose on the ground. Like I said, earlier, burned out buildings. But every once in a while, you've got to make the arrangements to go to the burn building, and you've got to put some heat on yourself. You have to take some heat because if you start getting – if you've never experienced heat, you get a little heat on you, you stop thinking. So if, if we get in that combat ready mode and we, we stretch a line, we put that backup line in place every single day, we search, we BES, we vet, we get all these tactics down to where it's second nature to us. We go to the training academy, we go to the burn field, and we put some actual real heat on us, and then we start building that. So Jim McCormick is, is a guy who I like and respect a lot, and he really gets this concept. He, he basically lives 
by the crawl, walk, and run method. Right on. And everything he does is to the basic level. And so what happens is if you ever go to his facility, it's real. And so you learn to baby step stuff. And by the end of the week, they're putting so much heat on you and they do it intentionally to take and put fear into you while you're right. doing it. Right. But we can do the same thing at the training academy. So, so yes, we have, we actually have to have the crawl, run, walk method, but we have to put some live heat on people and we've got to put some dark, scary smoke on them to actually, you've got to lose your way and you've got to be lost and you've got, I'm saying somebody's in there watching you, sure. but you've got to have it real. You need to get off that hose line and be scared for a second because it, that way, if it happens in a real fire, you're not panicking. You're like, right. Hey, I've been here before. Take my time. Let's do what we talk. Get on the ground, find a hose, find the smooth coupling, and I find my way out yeah. and things like that. So we actually, you know, do it. So that, yeah, that's, that, that's hard to do now because, you know, you got all these rules and it's hard to get out of service to go train, but you know what? Anything worth having is worth working for. So if it's hard, just work a little harder and get it done. Love it. Uh, chief to chief. I got another chief throwing a question at you. This is from your brother, Hello. your brother down there, Howard Reinwald. If I can get back, what <laughs> good guy? What are what are your top three initial decisions made at an apartment fire on the southwest side? Of course, everything's always going to be victims first. So the first thing I do is: Are we going to be in emergency rescue mode? So it's a poor part of town. So we can't go by the old rule between you know ten o'clock at night, seven o'clock in the morning. We're always assuming somebody's in there. We're always going to do a good primary search. And the very next thing, very next thing I start worrying about is where it's traveling. So if I if I pull up and the old term save the big side, if I pull up and I got fire blowing out of out of three apartments, and and I look to the left and I got black smoke pouring out, I worry about getting way ahead of it. And so then the next thing I do is I worry about getting a big water supply on these apartments. We have to have good water supplies. And so we're going to need big water. We're going to need a good search and we got to plan where it's going. So that's my three top. And then after that, I'll start ventilating and other assignments. But those are the three that I'm going to go for, you know, every time. Perfect, man. I love the question, dude. That's such right there. If you get nothing else, but that little rundown and you can use that on almost any, uh yeah oh yeah that's it dude i love it um yes good comments good comments garrett allen gerald allen said we need to train in all conditions and climates night and day also ladders venting hose ves etc uh someone asked the difference and yes. I'll, I'll let you i think that i think it's been answered by the group but I'm pulling it up here you want to know the difference between a backup line and a secondary line or if it was just semantics that's from gus Salcedo, so a secondary but. line Okay, so a secondary line is actually probably flowing water, and a backup line is just basically an interior writ uh, or overwatch, like we said before. His his main assignment is to protect everybody on the inside. Nice. So a second attack line is basically just two lines flowing. Nice. And a lot of people answered it, but I want to get there. Uh, yeah, Choey Hayes piped yeah. in. So Matt, I think uh, anyway. Okay, I won't belabor it. Uh, Uh, Chief Mo taught me in the fire academy. He said, "What are your thoughts on BTUs and UL studies versus what you know an inch and three quarter can appropriately extinguish? What's your thought on the studies versus the science versus your your street cred?" 
Yeah. So I think it's important to study books, but I think it's more important to know what you can do and what you can accomplish. So, um, yeah, I get it. If we pull up and we got a heavy fire load, um, if I pull up in a warehouse, if I pull up in a big commercial building and it's really going, I'm going to put big water on it. But I don't go through the front door and think to myself, oh, this couch is giving off 9,000 BTUs. I know that my inch and three quarter, and I was a smoothbore guy, I knew what we could do with a smoothbore. And I would pull up, and there was a captain, Terry Atchison, which is a good friend of mine, was a great fireman. He's retired now. Um, we made big two stories toward 25's territory. And there had been probably 50 times he would tell me, the amount of fire was coming. I goes, Mo, you go left, I go right, and I'll meet you in the back. So that was just him knowing that we were gonna have to have two lines flowing. So I never really, I never really considered, you know, that this couch is giving this much, this is giving this much. I just knew that at heavy fire load, I was gonna need big water. And um I, I think I, I relied more on what I saw than what I what I studied with that. No, I'm busy enough to get it on, so Without a doubt, yeah, we we have made some. We made some fires. Went out the door a few times, right? We did. Yeah, we did. I love it. There we go. Okay, pulling up one of my questions. Throw at you. The lessons you have learned from instructing, teaching, and speaking. Anything you would pass on to someone else who wants to instruct, teach, or speak? Yes, love the job. Uh, mm. On the teaching circuit, you find whether it's Kurt Isaacson, um, you know, Captain Dugan, uh, Lieutenant Yost, no matter anybody you run into on the teaching circuit is passion. And they're so passionate about it. You watch a you watch a Mike Champo video, and if you don't get <laughs> fired up, that's it. so so here's what here's what happens. Um, Todd Edwards is another good one. Um, you've got to have passion. And if, if you don't have passion when you're standing up in front of those people, I think they get it. And I've been in those classes where people didn't have the passion. Uh, they just they just had the, the money. And what, what people don't realize, a lot of these classes that we attend, we're not getting paid for them. Right. A lot of them classes, they're just, they're just getting you there. Yeah. So you can tell the person that come there and you know, they just click a PowerPoint or they read a PowerPoint to you. No, you got to be passionate. And uh, I would encourage any young person that wants to, to teach is you've got to have the passion. It's, it's got to be it's got to be your family, the fire department you work for and the teaching. And it's got to be that kind of passion at, at everything you do in this. Beautiful, beautiful, man. And, and because they'll know it if you don't. No, 100 percent. That was what I was going to say, because when they're not, you can just yeah. you can be like, wow. Oh, yeah. Hey, I was at a class one time and this guy I was flipping a PowerPoint. And he honestly goes, eh, you'll never do that. So uh, I'm good at that, but you'll never do it and clicked it. So I stayed about 15 or 20 minutes and just left. So you, you can't do that. You've got to, this is going to sound corny, but you've got to give them their money's worth. You've got to be there. And, um, you know, we uh, we offered some students in Florida last last year. We said, hey, man, listen, class starts today. We'll be here at 6 a.m., you come here at 6 a.m. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about. Myself, Clyde Gordon, and Count Morris, FDNY Rescue One, walked in. Now, if you don't think you're on the spot with no. Count Morris is standing there watching, <laughs> yeah, I was like, so uh, 
So we actually sat there. We had a class between ourselves and people started coming in. But you've got you've got to give back. This fire service is so good to us. Oh, there's no uh, doubt. I mean, yeah, I'm a Houston fireman. Uh, you never hear the good stuff about Houston Fire Department. You always hear the bad. Well, I'm here to tell you there's more good in Houston Fire Department than there ever will be bad. And I want to share that. And, and I hope, I don't know that I am, but I hope I'm passionate. I hope I'm enthusiastic. And I hope that I'll let people know that this is a great profession because it's been so good to me. Nice. All right, there you go, man. Yeah. Uh, let me see, I think I saw one in there that I put a, a frowny face on. Uh, Gus Salcedo had another great question for you. He said, what are the most common mistakes you see new incident commanders make, and how do you address or fix them? They don't read it right. You've got, you've got to read what you see, and if you misread it, you misassign things. If you misassign things, you're playing catch-up. So – Young incident commanders, I think they, they try to do too much too too quick. And I, I also think they try to do too many fancy things. The fire service is pretty basic. Search, ventilation, and water. And if we always go back to that and we keep those three core values, we don't have to be fancy. Um, another topic that's touchy, and I want to say it, we got to get away from these silly acronyms. We've got to get away from these <laughs> silly checkoffs. Because I promise you, I'm I'm about 260 pounds. If I ran and jumped on top of you and told you to to repeat or tell me what slicers were and what they stood for, you couldn't do it. You just want me off of you. And I tell people all the time, incident commanders, young incident commanders do this especially. They keep asking questions. They start micromanaging their crews. They give them an assignment and say, I want you to make a fast attack. As soon as they go through the front door, engine one, what are you seeing? Engine one, give me a CAN report. Here's what a can report is is to me. Can't accomplish nothing because you keep talking to me. <laughs> Give me an assignment and let me go. So that's I see that with young incident commanders. Man, give them an assignment, let them go. Hey, these guys are good. You know, these guys are gonna put that fire out if you just give them an opportunity. Sorry, I gotta write down sound bites. May have to use that one for the show. <laughs> There's beauty in simplicity. I love it, man. Oh, yes, again. I completely, I like completely agree with you on the acronyms. All right, where's it at? Yeah. Pulling my notes. Sorry. I love, and you, you've you've alluded to it a little bit, but I love talking about the importance of mentoring. Mentoring is what shaped my career. But have you had mentor that sticks yes. out to you? I have. Um, Jerry Turner. Uh, I, I promise you, Jerry Turner could teach a desk how to be a fireman. <laughs> and so Houston fire the first Houston fire department when you first get in they make you go to paramedic school. Well, I wanted to be a fireman my whole life, and they sent me to paramedic school. And so I just was wanting to ride for people. Houston fire department allows you to ride, and Captain Turner took a real interest in me, and I never will forget him. And uh, man, I wanted to be just like him. And then there was Mike Davis, was the senior captain Davis. I wanted to be like him, and. Um, then, of course, you know, you, you got your Mike Phillips, uh, you got your Millers, John Millers. I want to be like those guys because those guys love the fire department. And I still call on those guys now. Uh, you know, we, uh, we had a, a Chief Chavez just retired a few months ago, 42 years. And I call him and ask him if I have a problem. I call him and ask him. I say, hey, you know, it, I'm not above asking a question. So you've got to have good mentors. I never had the slug as a mentor. I promise you. Love it. You've got to find those good. You got to find those good guys, and you've got to want to be as weird as it sounds. 
And as crazy as it sounds, you got to want to be those guys. And you almost you almost take their personality and add it to yours to make yours better. Right. So men- mentoring is the key to success. Love it. Yes. Okay. I hope I'm a mentor to somebody someday. That, that I just a- hope somebody says, "Man, I like old Mo." I, yeah. I can I can guarantee you that that's already taken place many times over. Um, now then, I hope. How long on the HFD? Twenty seven, right? Twenty six, twenty seven. Working on it. Yeah, twenty six. Right there, yes, sir. How yeah. how do you love every second of twenty six? <laughs> There's no doubt about it, man. I, I, that is one thing I do not doubt is your love of this job. How do you stay engaged and keep that passion burning, man? I mean, seriously, it's it's something I've always wanted to do. I mean, I get happy going to the station. Um, I love making fires. I want, you know, I want to make fires. When I make fires, I'm happy. Um, whenever I see a young guy make a rescue, man, I'm happy. Um, so I think how you, you've got to have life outside the fire department too. But you've always got to give that fire department 100%. And when you get there, <coughs> if you work around good people, you 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 don't get around somebody if you got somebody's got a bad attitude or or they're you don't you just don't get around them because they will bring you down. Your goal is to bring them up. So how I keep my attitude good every day? I don't talk politics. I could care less about the politics. I'll talk about that off duty. When I'm at the fire station, I'm talking about firemen stuff. I'm talking about training. I'm talking about making fires. I'm laughing with the guys. I'm happy with the guys, and. That's the way you keep your passion. You never go down. If you're down, you you are deciding to make yourself down. If you're in a bad mood, you're making yourself in a bad mood. Love it. And you know, everybody knows the slugs. Everybody knows the loads. You just stay away from them. You know, you just surround yourself with the good people, and you'll always have that that winning attitude. Because we have to have a winning attitude to be winners in the fire station. Boom. <laughs> we. We have to have a winning attitude to be winners in the fire station. Hold on, I gotta write. I got a yeah, timestamp. That's hold it. <laughs> Dude, attitude. Hold on, let me make my my small note. All right, I'm checking for any questions coming from the audience before I throw, because I want to know what book. And someone actually asked this question. Um, I'm making sure I haven't missed any questions. Uh, okay, there we go. Someone said, Mo makes fires. Someone, Howard says, Mo makes fires, watches John Wayne movies, and eats ramen noodles. He loves every shift. So, is there a favorite John Wayne movie? That's, oh, no, I like them all. Every one I of like them. them all. Hey, when I, get, when I get to heaven, I'm going to meet a few people. He's going to be one. Uh, Chief Ray Downey's going to be one. Nice. Uh, Andy Fredericks is going to be one. I mean, there, there are these certain people, uh, Joey D. I'm going to go meet these. I want to go meet these guys and, and I want them to tell me what made them great. You know, I study these guys, but I want to, when I get to heaven, I, I want to, I want to know from them. You there? Yeah. Okay. Just for a second. You just went like, are we good? Can you hear me? Can uh, it banked, it banked down and went to get to the guest list. I'm not sure what that is. Are you still with me though? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Everything looks good on my end. Uh, let's see here. Let me... As long as you can hear me, everything's fine. Yeah, I can hear you. I just can't see you. Oh, well, I'm not important, and it's probably a gift. So 
We'll keep finishing it up. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, there you're back. You're back now. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I want to, um, yeah, in the ramen noodles is we knew we were going to make runs, you know, and, and we're we're poor as we can be. Right. We didn't make any money. So we'd eat, we'd eat ramen noodles all night, watch Jane, John Wayne movies, and make fires. And that's what we did every night when we went to work. Love it. So we eat uh, popcorn now. Yeah, got a little more money. <laughs> Yeah, I do love some top ramen though, so I'm not gonna lie. I don't oh know, yeah, we, I don't know if it's my upbringing yeah. or what, but um, okay, yeah. book or Placido books. Placido Rodriguez could cook it better than anybody. Dude, I'll throw books, I'll throw a lot I of do. stuff into it. I'm like, okay, sorry, I'll get going on oh. ramen. Go ahead, book or books. Yeah, think people, so uh, firefighters should read. I do. Uh, the Norman book I like. I put Tactics. a lot of that to use. Uh, yes, I'm I'm reading I'm reading a ventilation book right now. I read different kind of tactics. Um, I read I read uh, Chief Downey's rescue book, Rescue Operations. I think firemen need to be proficient in rescue, just like in firefighting. Um, and then I read a lot of a lot of articles. So, and um, you know, I uh, I also I, I I don't really pay a lot of attention to leadership books because you know that's usually for the business world. I want to be a good fireman, so I read all fire related stuff, articles. Um, you know, um, right now uh, I'm, I'm reading uh, the uh, New York City Fire Department's engine company manual. So I get stuff like that. I read the New York City uh, forcible entry. So I, I go back and I read a lot. And right. I, I read something every day. So I, I read the, read about the fire service a lot. Love it, man. Not big into not big into the leadership or philosophy or anything like that, but mainly into just fire stuff. Yes, because that, that's my profession. You know, I'll, I'll never work in a, I never wear a suit and tie to work. I'll be a fireman, so I want to be a good fireman. Love it, man. All right. Here we go. We have a thing we do on the weekly scrap. It's called the five questions for firefighters. The answers are 100% your opinion. There is no right or wrong, and the points are arbitrarily assigned by me. So, Chief Mo Davis, are you ready for the five questions for firefighters? I am. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Number one, and and guys, the new questions are coming. I think I'm going to do it. This is number one fourteen. I think I'm going to unveil the new ones either on the new year or on episode one twenty. I'm not sure which yet, but irregardless, they're coming. Number one for Mo Davis. What is the number one issue facing the modern fire service? Training. We've got to get better at training. Boom. There it is. Can't knock it whatsoever. Is it strictly the sheer amount? Relevance? Realistic? Uh, just all of it? I, 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 th- I think it's a realistic. I think we've, we went away from training and we went to computer-based training. We can't do that. Right. You know, um, you, 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 can't, you can't be a good computer fireman. You know, uh, you've got to be a hose on the ground, ladder to the roof, running saws, crawling on the ground, Rit, put a fast board on the ground. I'm not sure guys are familiar with the fast board. You've got to put that fast board on the ground, and you've got to try to fail at training to make yourself better. Right on, man. Number two, we've got what is the thing you are most excited about for the future of firefighting? Young guys. Nice. Young men and women, are they're so much smarter than we were. 
uh, they'll be so much better than we, than we were if, if we'll just give them the opportunity. We have got to open their eyes. We can take their intelligence with technology, reading, education level, and we can put them to what we know on the fire ground, and those guys are going to be so much better than we ever were. Kind of makes me sad. I don't want to be better than us, but but they're going to smoke us in, no. in 10, 15 years from now. It's, it's going to be great. Who made the post? I just, oh man, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember who made the post today about. Oh, it was Anthony Rowett and and Port City Fire Training. He posted about if you are not developing people to replace you or surpass you, you're failing them. And and like like you said, yes. you know, just be proud of them, man. It's just yes, hundred percent. It was a great post. Yeah, but, but right along those lines, you have to pat your guys on the back. Yes, yeah, you have to pat your guys on the back. And you know, you you praise in public. And you discipline in private. Love it. I believe that. And it and it's and it's always it's always about the people you work with. It's never about you. It's always about the people you work with, promoting them, letting them know that you appreciate them. And the young guys, uh, they will give you 110% if you give them 110%. Man, amen. Amen. Best rank. Yeah. Or position to be in in the fire service. Engine captain, I loved it. I loved every fire I've ever made, but boy, I love pulling up on a good one on a pumper. Uh, yeah, I would. I would go back. Hey, and I, I still, uh, I still ride the pumper. So Captain Mario and Captain Shoulder is really good to me. So if they got something going on, we'll all ride up one rank where our policy lets us. And I'll jump on that pumper, and I'm the happiest guy in the city. <laughs> so yeah. I love it. I, I still get to kick it. I still get to kick doors and squirt water, and uh, I love it. Hundred percent. Number one. That's uh, max points. The best answer you could give right there. The fact that you're a uh, yeah. chief at sixty eight and still managed to make that happen. Uh, question number four: The best advice you ever received? Care for each other. You know, uh, Chief Hooker was my chief for a long time and he was hard to read. A lot of people didn't get along. And when I first made officer, you know, he's telling me to care. And then when I, um, chief Phillips pulled me off the side and he told me to make care about the guys around you. And, and I truly do. I've never, I've never let those two guys down And two of two of my most favorite chiefs in the world, both preached care for people. So yeah, you've got to care for your guys. And I'll say this, because you said earlier you don't really read leadership books, but if you understand that principle right there, you really don't need to read leadership books, because that'll pretty much cover everything you're going to learn from those books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's something so simple is is the guys at the station eat before me. We eat in order. The ambulance crews, the pumper crew, the truck, then me. I don't eat first. They eat first, because they're taking care of me. They're Doing all the hard work, so they eat first. They, you've got to, you've got to show them that you appreciate them. Dude, I love it, man. Powerful, man. Yeah. Care about the yeah. guys who are around you, hundred percent. I love the synopsis, Michael. Yes. Michael Snodgrass has put a synopsis of every answer, and I love it. It really is nice. Uh, number oh, he's five, another good guy. He's tight. Oh yeah, Snod is awesome. The Snodster, uh, heavy fire, heavy fire, and searchable space. Would you rather be assigned? To the nozzle or first in on VES? First in VES. I'm a squirrel. You know, I, uh, <laughs> no I, no uh, apologies. I'm I a remember, squirrel. Yeah. 
I remember the first body I ever rescued, and I remember the last one. And if I can BES and get somebody out, man, I'm, I want to do it. I want to be the ones that put my hands on them. Uh, now, I like, I like putting fire out, but if there's a possible rescue, man, I want to do the dragon. I love it. I love it, man. Dude, uh, 100% max points on that answer right there. Yeah. And yeah. there it is. The five questions for firefighters, according to Chief Mo Davis. Brother, that is awesome. Yeah. I got to say, it's officially it an honor, man. 114 scraps in the books, man. Officially. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, reach out to you, talk to you to the wee hours of the morning about fire stuff, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, they can uh, give me a messenger. Or, heck, I'll give you my email, man. I ain't, I ain't got nothing to hide. It's fdhou at aol.com. I know it's old, but I got that when I joined the fire department. I never changed it. Love it. Hey, man, thank you for letting me do this. It, it meant the world to me. Brother, you're killing it, man. You had to come back. Yeah. So this is just this hey. is 100%, man. Um, Anytime. Firehousevigilance.com, everybody. There are – let me see if I got one sitting right. I thought I had one sitting in front of me. Maybe I don't. Oh, right here. There are officially, let me see if I can get it to focus. Snap into focus, camera. Yep. Maybe. Yep. It's Looks good. good. Oh, well. But you guys seen it. It's the coin. It won't, yeah, whatever. But there are officially three of them left on the website. I've got more ordered, but with things the way they are, I have no clue when more are going to come in. It could be months. So there are really three coins left for now. There's more on the way. On the hats, that the same thing. I don't know how they're manufacturing anything anywhere. This is the last green loading mutts don't scrap hat available in the world, basically, because the production time on them, my, the, the person that makes my hat says it, they're projected to be delivered next May. So the world is crazy right now with everything that's going on as far as products. Um, coming up on the scrap. Next week is Justin Fraze, another Texas boy, coming on the scrap, followed by Raymond, Big Black Doraval, out of Miami. Then we got Chris Kessinger, Citizens First, and then on December 20th, the Mega Scrap. That's all I'm saying about it. It is the Mega Scrap. It's going to be unbelievable. And then closing out the year for the Christmas special, Dennis Laguerre. And so that's the rest of the scraps for the rest of the year. So it's going to be a good time. I'm excited. Holiday season is loaded up. Kicked it off with turkey, uh, the turkey version with Mo Davis right here, leading into Thanksgiving. Um, if you see me out and about at a conference, whatever, please ask me to get a picture. I try to get pictures, and I'm terrible at doing it. So ask me, and I'll do it. Uh, I want to mention this, a few housekeeping things. Kurt Isaacson, his Facebook was hacked. And he lost his page, or and he's rebuilding completely from the ground up. So if you hear this, go follow CFT Fire Operations. That's the new page. It's already up to 2,000 followers. So go follow CFT Fire Operations. And speaking of CFT, HROC is coming up in a few weeks, December 7th through the 9th. The High Rise Operation Conference, the only conference dedicated to high rise operations specifically. And... Uh, the lineup's incredible. The instructors are incredible. Um, if you do mid-rise or high-rise operations whatsoever, or if you love the fire service, you need to get there. But the coolest part is Silas Springer and his buddies are giving away two passes to HROC. You can't get these right now. You cannot buy one. So if you can get there and you can find a place to stay, you've got a chance to win these two passes. So we're giving away. Go to Firehouse Vigilance on Facebook. And then follow the instructions there on the post. There's a big poster of HROC 
follow the instructions and we're going to uh, Friday. I'm going to go live Friday at 5 PM and give away those passes to two lucky winners. And yeah, or maybe I'll figure it out. Maybe one lucky winner gets two or two lucky winners get one. I don't know yet. We'll figure it out. But all that being said, I'm trying to figure up everything here. Um, if you think the scrap brings value to your life, your firefighting life, go support it. Firehousevigilance.com. Go there. Support the show. Uh, Jeremiah King, Ryan Beckwith, you guys were the first two. I cannot say thank you enough. And then Andrew McGinn today, thank you so much. I want to shout out to you guys specifically. Remember, mutts don't scrap. Everybody, thanks to Chief Mo Davis for giving us this evening and so much knowledge. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you, brother. I, I had a blast. And for everybody else, I hope the tone stays silent. Unless it's burning, stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.